stop! Stop, evildoers! Introducing Super Stretching Superhero Stretch Armstrong! Yes, Stretch Armstrong! Now stretching fun farther than ever before! He bends, he stretches, even ties and knots, but always returns to his original shape! How's he do that? He's been doing that since he was a kid! Stretch Armstrong from Cap Toys! Let's see if, let's just see how, if I, now, hey, don't, if we're going to pull on this, do not let go and hit me in the face like you did first service, okay? I'm kidding, he did So, like, this guy is amazing. Let's see, can you go farther? Can you go further? Can you go further? Oh, all right, that's enough. I don't want to get hurt. All right, thank you, Hunter. Great job. We got a little Stretch Armstrong here. Back in 1976, we got this Stretch Armstrong doll, became famous. It was, it was the opportunity for, for strong young men to be, begin to play with dolls. And, and uh, uh, Stretch Armstrong came on the scene, and, and before you know it, millions upon millions were sold. And you know, the, the, the secret to it is they found that as they uh, uh, simmered down corn syrup, it got into this gel for, gel-like substance, and that's what basically, you know, what you what you and I put in our body, corn syrup, that's what Stretch Armstrong is made of. So you're welcome, America. But, but uh, since 1976, there have been dozens and dozens and dozens of variations of this doll that was really popular around the Christmas time in 76. So we, we had Stretch Armstrong normal, but then after that got old, we had Stretch X-Ray and Stretch Octopus. It went to Stretch Ninja Armstrong, and we even had Stretch Serpent, and then in the craze of the 80s and 90s, Aladdin, Stretch Aladdin Genie, and then it was Stretch the Nacho Man Randy Savage, oh yeah. <laughs> And so, like, basically, there's not a lot of technology to the toy. You grab it, and you see how far it can stretch. And regardless of the variation of the toy, all of the toys did the same thing. They stretched, and then they slowly uh, snap back together and become normal again. But when we think about the Christmas season... There's a lot we could sing, we could hark the herald angel, we could joy to the world today. But in this Christmas season, when we see this image, the truth is, this is how many of us spend our Christmas season. Stretched. In fact, write it down in your notes. Tis the season to be stretched. Not just jolly, like stretched. And here's, here's what the world wants to do. The culture, like, I think Hobby Lobby started on March 7th laying out Christmas stuff. Like, like, like the, 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 the culture is just getting you to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And you may want to may write this down. Basically what the world wants to do, the world is going to con you into its form. It wants to con you by, by what everybody else is doing, just staying with the Joneses, um, I'm following suit on what you did last year, and it's just going to take this Christmas season, and instead of slowing down and celebrating the true reason, we get stretched. The old idea of being conned into the form of the world is not new to us. The Apostle Paul in Romans says it like this. He says, do not 
conform to the pattern of this world. But instead, instead of being like that, here's the solution. You got to be transformed, not by biting your bottom lip. Be transformed, not, not by just hope, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, changing the way you think. See, New Year's resolutions start on January 1. And after the, the, the Christmas ham coma, we begin to see what might we do to change 2019 because 2018 had this, this, or that. But what I want to suggest to you is what if we could step back even before then, before all, the, like we've already had Black Friday, so we've already had like the gun has shot off and we're just like, <clears throat> we're to the races. But what if we could take this Sunday, December 2nd, and just slow down for a minute and evaluate where we are and ask this question, how does Jesus want me to live through the Christmas season? What, what, how would Jesus want me to be stretched this Christmas season? Would he want me to be stretched? Don't conform. Don't take the con of the world and form into its mold. Let's renew, transform by the renewing of our mind. There, there are a few areas I want to challenge us to be stretched in today that we're already being stretched in and how to kind of find some breathing room, but then also what God might want to stretch us in, and we won't really have time to see God stretch us in what he wants if we're stretched by the world into its form all the time. The first area is where we tend to be stretched during the Christmas season is stretched in my spending. Tis the season to spend some money. Shop till you drop. Like, that is a real thing. Like, my wife brings a defibrillator with her to the mall. She actually wants to shop until she dies. Like, that's the deal. But stretched in our spending, the truth is there was a recent poll that, that, that uh, interviewed people during the Christmas time. And 70% of Americans are stressed out about Christmas when it's the most wonderful time of the year to be stressed out. And they're looking at their checkbook. Ah! And they're looking at what they got to spend and what they have left in the checking account. And, and, and so 70% of Americans, instead of feeling peace on earth, they tend to struggle with stress and anxiety and fear of missing out because of where they are financially. Black Friday, where everybody raids Walmart and gets out whatever they can at 2 in the morning. And, I mean, they're just, it's crazy how much intensity is in Black Friday these days, fighting over the television and the Instapot and a crock pot with a Cowboys emblem on it. Because now you're ready to cheer for the Cowboys now that they've won a few. Yeah, see, you know, you know my wife is diehard, like she's ride or die, like she's ride or die. But right now she's riding good, she's feeling good about the Cowboys. We know what I love about this picture is these ladies are fighting and this guy's like, yeah, my wife's got it. <laughs> I love that. Like, my wife's taking care of business. I'm just going to back up and let her do her thing, you know. But we get so crazy during the Christmas season on what we can get and what we can save and how we can spend. UPS will ship uh, 630 million boxes alone on top of whatever FedEx and U.S. Postal Service does and a lot of that coming from Amazon. 150 million chocolate Santas will be consumed in America. Do you know why? Because we're all stressed out. And we're just eating whatever. Like we're just eating. We're stress eating. Chocolate Santas. Just biting the head off of Santa. 
It is the season to have some financial challenges. Even Santa's having to run the credit card. Even Santa's having issues with his, with his workshop lately. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. It's okay to spend. It's okay to, to give gifts. It's okay to get that deal and pop up that tent and spend Thanksgiving night in the parking lot of Target. But when we, form, when we take the con and we form into the world's pattern, we miss some stuff. We, 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 we miss out more than we realize because in that busyness, we're not able to focus on more important things. And when, you know why we do that? It makes us, you know why we spend? It makes us happy. It makes us happy to be able to give. We want to provide for our kids. Many people have the feeling of, I want to give my kids more than I was given when I was a kid. And, and, and there's this idea of want to bless people and help people and give. Tis the season to spend that money because we, we say it's in, a, it's in a giving spirit. But, it, but really it's about we want to see happiness in that. Like there's, there's, ha- there's a connection to happiness with stuff. But would you write this down? If I find my happiness in temporary stuff, I'll end up with temporary happiness. There, there is no way. You've seen it in your kids. They were begging for the, for, they were begging for the, what do you call it, the hoverboard. They're not, they're not riding the hoverboard anymore. Yes, they broke their back, but they're not riding the hoverboard anymore. Now they're on to the next thing. You know what it used to be? It used to be the Stretch Armstrong, or it used to be the, the Special Rifle, or it used to, it used to be Tickle Me Elmo, or, or some doll that hatches out of an egg. Like, it used to be all these things. And then guess what? Something new, because the culture wants to con you into its form. And happiness is based on happenings. When happenings happen, that's when I get happy. But there's a different, God did not send his son to die on the cross for our happiness. Jesus died for your holiness. He died for your relationship. And you can have joy that way far wins over happiness every day. Joy isn't always in happenings. Joy is basically being able to trust God regardless of the happenings. When things aren't good, the joy keeps me buoyant. It's like a buoy in the middle of a tossed wave and tossed storm. Joy is like a buoyancy to where I'm not sunk in the middle of the storm. But happiness, it, it, it comes and goes with whatever is happening around me. A couple of weeks ago, we finished our series on scared to death. And we talked about Matthew 6, how seek first the kingdom of God. And in the Message Bible, let me just remind you what, what uh, Jesus says. He says, relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Look at that connection. When we're so consumed doing the getting stuff, it removes us from an atmosphere of receiving to, to be able to get what God, to respond to God's giving. What does God want to give you this Christmas? And we're so busy getting other stuff and spending and in the Christmas hustle and the, the bustle. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me show it to you this way, because this just happened. This is fresh on everybody, okay? So just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving. And the average family in America spent $45 on a Thanksgiving meal. Now, some of you, you say, $45? Like, it was way more. And some of you, you didn't spend anything. We're a church anyone can come to. We've got all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life. 
But the average American, over the average, it was $45 on Thanksgiving, but it wasn't really giving. It was more like preparing, getting a meal together to share with one another. And we had to have all those carbs to gear up for Black Friday so that we could spend $50 billion on Black Friday. I'm all about shopping. That's awesome. 30% of annual sales come in from Black Friday to Christmas in America. 30%. That means that us, we spend 30% of income during that season. That's nuts. That's crazy. It's just, it just is what it is statistically. But you know what? Who wants to stop with Black Friday? We got to get up early to get the Black Friday shopping done so we can go in the afternoon, take a little nap, because we got to be ready for small business Saturday. And America spent $10 billion on small business Saturday. But the fun doesn't stop there. It goes on into the next week. And, and I, have, I have personally coined Sunday as Skip Service Sunday. Because we had so much to do. Look, I'm not kidding you. Our attendance was down 400 people from average attendance on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. What is it? It's turkey coma and Black Friday shopping and crazy busy and I just want to rest. But I got to rest up and I got to get my fingers and my eyes focused because I got Cyber Monday. And Cyber Monday, America spent $7.9 billion on places like Amazon.com. So you add it up and you've got $50 billion, $10 billion, $7.9 billion. You're at almost $70 billion. And as I was driving home a few days ago, I heard a news report that... Nonprofits were, were excited because this is a real thing for the last eight years. And over the course of eight years, we've raised $200 million on Giving Tuesday. Now, I just want to stop for a second. If you skipped church on Sunday, so did I, okay? Like I, I, skipped, I was in Houston, okay? I was in Houston, and Pastor Talia did a fantastic job preaching. I took the weekend off with my family. You did too. That's all right. Nobody stepped on anybody's toes. But can you see the con? That all of these things are so, like, I mean, we are waiting up. We are waiting. And then the nonprofits that are feeding the homeless, helping victims of sex trafficking, local churches mo that are mobilized, that are the hope of the world, Giving Tuesday gives a less than a 1% connection as far as priority. Do you see how the world wants to con you into the form of everything else is more important? Let me give you God's strategy for all this. God's strategy to avoid being financially stretched this Christmas is so simple. It sounds so simple, like, is it really that simple? It is, but it takes time to see the benefits. You can start today and not see the benefits for a while. In the same way, you can get that credit card when you're 19 and you can see the benefits immediately because you like got to go to Cracker Barrel and you even ordered dessert at Cracker Barrel. But then a few months down the road, you start seeing the benefits of having a credit card and the benefits aren't that great if you're not paying it off every month. 
you start seeing kind of the snowball effect of that thing adding up. Well, God's strategy works the same way, but it's to your benefit, not to your demise. And here it is. It's so simple. You can memorize it, and if you live by it, you'll be better for it. It's a biblical strategy. Here, here it is. Write it down. Give, save, live on the rest. That's God's financial strategy. He doesn't say, give me everything financially. He says, give me your heart. That's what's more important. Seek first my kingdom. That's what's critically important. If you can get your heart in the right place, your money will follow. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. And so we give him our heart first. We give him the first pieces of our finances He's not even asking for all of it. He's asking for a just tiny, he's asking for like Giving Tuesday compared to all that. But if we give and then we save and we live on the rest, that is so counter to the con that the world wants to pull you into and form you into. The culture says, live it up. Save if you possibly can. Probably ought to be smart to save. And then give if you feel like it. If George Clooney's doing a share like the, that's the process in which we look at life. That's why Giving Tuesday is Giving Tuesday and not Giving Friday. It's Giving Tuesday. So if we give, we save, we live on the rest. Look, God wants you to enjoy life. Like give some, give his portion, save, and then enjoy, enjoy. But, but if, if we live to a point beyond where we're stretched, it will obviously take our savings and it will obviously take our opportunity to give and if we're so consumed with getting as we just read in the scripture we won't be able to respond to what God wants to give us and we get things out of our order out of order for God and when things are out of order chaos ensues when your house is out of order chaos ensues when your kids are out of order chaos ensues when your life and your finances are out of order chaos ensues and we get, we're, we're after it, and it's not, we've all been guilty. I've been guilty myself. But look at what the, the author of Proverbs 11 says. A life devoted to things is a dead life. You know, Jana and I went through a process where we, in 2014, we had to make a decision. Pardon me, not 2014, 2004. In 2004, we had to make a decision that, that we were living beyond our means. We were stretched thin to the point where we were youth pastors and we were just like anybody. We loved God. We wanted to put God first in our finances, but we weren't. We were putting Honda first. We, we were, were putting everything else first. The couch that we really just could not live without. We put that first. And we looked at it and we prayed about it and we said, no, 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 we got we to change some things. And so we went on a, a hard but healthy and li radically life-transforming renewing of our mind about how we looked at finances. And in that year, we got debt-free. And beyond, beyond that, we, we just would have debt with just our house. And still today, the only debt we have is, the, is, is a house note. And that's radically changed. But it didn't start overnight the same way us getting into debt didn't start overnight. The process took some time. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this Christmas season. Beyond all the glitz and the glamour and the getting and the giving, I want you to decide. Decide what you're going to do. Decide, am I just going to continue on with this con that the world says fit into my form? Or am I going to be renewed by changing the way I think about my finances this Christmas? 
Maybe you're going to decide that instead of Christmas gifts, there's a Christmas experience. Well, maybe we're going to decide uh, we're going to decide before we go what the amount of money we're going to spend. Now, for some of you, it's like duh, but for others of you, that's that is a foreign concept because you you just you go and there's not there's a plan to get because you don't want to disappoint your kids or your grandkids or your relatives or that friend or your boss or whoever. I'm saying slow down and just decide. Number two, write down a number. What's a number you're going to spend this Christmas? Can you, how do we keep it within this number? Do you know that there's a huge, over 50% of Americans are still paying off credit card debt this Christmas that they spent on Christmas gifts last Christmas? Don't break the cycle. Break the cycle this Christmas. Decide today. Write down a number. Number three, start knowing where your money be going. Start knowing where your money be going. I don't know where all my, where's all our money going? As though at night when you're going, <laughs> your $20 bill gets up. It's like, <laughs> boom, 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 party. And like walks out the door and goes itself to Best Buy. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You have to know where your money is going. And that's hard. I mean, some people get to the point where they're so, they don't want to know. It's like, la, 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 la. So they get the bill, they just throw it in the trash. It's just like, if I don't know, what I don't know won't hurt me. Yes, it will. It will. It will hurt you. There's a great resource, DaveRamsey.com, and on that you can click on tools, and it's totally free. You can download some, some calculators on budgets and know where your money is going. And what I'm challenging you to do, if we spend a huge chunk of our finances during the Christmas season, now is the time to take a breath to look at it and prepare for 2019 by being diligent stewards of what God has given you. Number four, stop stretching. Give yourself the breathing room, stop stretching, and, and we're gonna quote this motto. For those of you that need this, we're, we're, this is gonna be your quote for Christmas. Here it is, I want is better than I owe. I want is better than I owe. You know what I want, everybody? You know what I, do, do you know what I want? I want a new truck, that's what I want. I want a truck with all the bells and whistles. When I first moved to, uh, to, to Lufkin in 2005, plugged into television in our home, first commercial that I saw in Deep East Texas was Southern Chrysler Dodge Jeep. And the commercial was a little girl's voice, and it was like, and the voice went like this. I want a truck right now. I want a truck right now. I, 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 I want a truck right now. True story. I, I looked at Janet. I said, man, we've moved to East Texas. This is incredible. I want a truck right now too. <laughs> so just a couple years ago, I was doing some premarital counseling for a couple that I was getting ready to marry in a couple of weeks. And I talked to them about culture and marriage culture and me moving to love. And I told that story. I said, and, and you know, the, the voice is, I, 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 I want a truck right now. And the girl put her hands in her face like this. I said, what? Her face in her hands like this. And I said, what? What's wrong? She goes, that was me on that commercial. <laughs> I, we, we'll call her Megan Campbell because that's her name. And, and, and uh, she was sitting right there in, second, in first service, and I told the story. And it was awesome. But, but, but like, like I, I, I want this. Is, I want it is better than I owe it. Because then when you get it, 
Trust me, that thrill gets gone fast after a couple payments. And wanting it, oh, I want that truck, is better than, oh, I got to make the payment on that truck. God, God is okay with you making a payment. He's okay with you allocating resources over time and having a margin of debt to income. He's not okay with you being stretched beyond your ability to truly trust him and follow his strategy of giving, saving, living on the rest. Are you with me so far? Number two. Another area we're going to get stretched is in our commitments during Christmas. How many of you already have... A couple, maybe one or two, if not more, Christmas parties that you're going to go to this, this Christmas. Anybody? Hands raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you are going to a Christmas party you don't want to go to? You do not want to go. Yeah. See? You're stretched in your commitments. Let me show you something. I've said it before. My time equals my life. My time equals life. How you spent your time last week. Sounds like a calendar deal. Sounds like just like, you know, last week. But the sum total of where you spent your time on Facebook to the app to the Xbox to the conversation to the soap opera to the work to sports to school to reading to development to friendships to eating. All of that that you spent, that is your life last week. Your time equals your life. And people wear it as a name, like a badge of honor now. Oh, man, my plate is really full. I'm spinning plates like crazy. I am burning my end with both candles. It's a joke. It's a twist. It's a... And we almost wear it like a badge. Like, oh, you think you're busy. Let me tell you about my week. Anybody ever had that, like it's back and forth? Oh, yeah, well, man, I'm about ready to, 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 to go crazy and, and, and like, you know, <laughs> bury a child because I'm so busy. Oh, yeah, well, I did bury a child. Like it's, it's people are just competing with how busy they are. In the spirit of Christmas throwback, it reminds me of an old episode of an American classic what it feels like when we, when we get a little too stretched in our commitments. Take a look. All right, girls, now this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her roll! <laughs>
doing splendidly. Speed it up a little! I think we're fighting a losing game. And yet we, we get on that treadmill over and over. We get on that factory line of more commitments. Can't say no. I know we ought to have some margin, but, uh, you know, what do they think if we, if we have to leave early or if we say, you know, I can't make that this Christmas. You know, like some people, they get crazy like, just, just bring Sister Schubert's frozen rolls. You don't have to knead the dough yourself. You don't have to do it. Like, find room in your schedule. The psalmist, um, the, the psalmist tells us these things. And basically what, what we have to learn is this. We've got to embrace limitations. You're limited. I'm limited. That's a beautiful thing. We want to live in a world that's unlimited. You have unlimited data unlimited access, unlimited opportunity, unlimited. We put as a commodity in today's life, but we have to embrace limitations with our commitments, with our time, because it's our life, and with our finances, because it's part of the fuel of life. The psalmist said it like this, I have learned that everything has limits. You do not grow up and turn 13 and all of a sudden say, oh, I'm going to understand my limits and I'm going to value guardrails in my life. No. What are your kids doing as teenagers? They're, they're doing something with limits, aren't they? They're pushing the limits. They push the, limit, they push the limits on how much can I do? How, how much can I say? Where can I go? How much time can I spend? What, 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 what is next? What am I going to do? We're pushing the limits and we've been doing it ever since we were young. How much can I get away with? Is dad going to count to seven this time instead of three? You know how it is. Your kids don't, like, they don't just all of a sudden wake up and say, I'd like to honor every rule. And so the psalmist says, I had to learn it. It was not instinctual. It was not involuntary. It's a learned art that everything has limits. Number two, I've got to prune my activities. I, you know, if you want great rose bushes, do you know that you have to prune good roses off of that bush so that there's enough nourishment for the best roses to get the best of that bush? You can't keep every rose because, because pruning is a beautiful thing. You would think, man, I hate getting rid of that. But by getting rid of that, it gives you ability to focus on more. Less is more. But when I first started getting invited to speak certain places and, and go to certain things and join certain boards, I, I jumped on that quick. I wanted to use my, my, what I thought maybe were my gifts and talents. And I quickly found myself overextended and underutilized because I was a part of a lot of good things, good, good things. And the Apostle Paul says it like this in Corinthians, everything's permissible for me. A lot of good things you can do, but not everything's always beneficial. A lot of permissible things. Yeah, you can do that and still be a Christian. Yeah, you can commit to that and things are going to be okay. But is it truly going to be beneficial for you to make all those commitments for your kids and for you? popular TEDx speaker, 
Brene Brown, author, psychologist. She talks about this feeling of, of trying to make everybody happy and committing to other people's agendas and, and saying yes to a lot of people and how that hurts us. And she, she, she gives this quote. She says, you have to choose discomfort over regret. How many people have said yes to a calendar item, yes to a commitment because you felt uncomfortable letting them down? So then as soon as you say, yeah, I'll do that, I'll be there, you bet. You go home and say, why did I say yes to that? How can I get out of it? Can I act like I'm sick? Can I send somebody else? I regret that decision. You choose, it's better to choose discomfort. There's this thing called FOMO, fear of, of missing out, F-O-M-O. <laughs> I Make sure I say that one right, FOMO. And, and fear of missing out. There's also one called FODO. Not like photo, photo, F-O-D-O. My cousin Rodney in Arkansas calls a Ford a photo Ford, photo Ford. That was bad. <laughs> I love you, Rodney. Photo uh, Ford. I'm not talking about photo Ford. I'm talking about F-O-D-O, fear of disappointing others. And so we commit to things we shouldn't commit to. Foco, F-O-C-O, fear of conflict with others. And because of that fear... We choose discomfort, we, we choose, re we regret over that moment, temporary discomfort. And I'm challenging you before, before it gets too crazy and maybe I'm too late. Pause, breathe, consider Jesus, how he wants you to spend your time and your resources this Christmas. And choose discomfort over regret. Maybe, maybe your kids, it's, it's uncomfortable to say we can only be involved in three things this next year instead of five things. And, and, it, and it's tough. And you got to let them down. And you let other people down too, it feels like. But better to choose that moment of discomfort than regretting that long term. Because then when you look back, you say, where did all the time go? And the way we spent our time was the way we spent our life. So, stretched in our finances, stretched in our commitments. But let me give you this third one, and it's stretched in our faith. It's stretched in our faith. And what I want to offer to you is this is where we're renewed in our mind. This is the way we change things. This is the way we avoid the, the con that the world wants to put you in to make it into, into its form of your life. And so I want to give you a way to stretch your faith corporately as the body of Christ here at Timber Creek Church, but then also personally between you and Jesus and what, how Jesus would have you engage his mission on earth. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as he already sees it in heaven. And I want to remind you that a few weeks ago, if you weren't here with us, uh, we cast vision for something that we've been planning for a long time, and that is another location of Timber Creek Church. We're already at Dieball Correctional Center. We've got another uh, meeting to have, and then we're going to be in the Duncan unit that's 100 yards across the road from the Dieball Correctional Center with another 500 and some inmates that will be starting services there at the beginning of the year. If everything goes as planned, please keep praying because some doors need to open and some red tape needs to be cut in order that to take place. But we're also launching in Nacogdoches a location there on North Street, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to try and attempt some big things for God, but we're also expecting great things from God. And that quote comes from the modern missionary William Carey, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. 
We're going to be stretched in our faith of what it's going to take for us to have that location in Nacogdoches. A few weeks ago, I showed you the 3D renderings of Nacogdoches on North Street. It's next to the bowling alley and the theater and the bar uh, and CeCe's. And so after church, take your pick. <laughs> um, don't take your pick. But Timber Creek is going to be there. It's a mile south of Walmart on North Street, a mile north of Stephen F. Austin right there. Um, we want to reach more people faster, and we believe that, that we have got to go to our sister city, Nacogdoches. How many of you right now are traveling from Nacogdoches? You're here with us today. Would you put a hand up? Man, put it up high. Look around. Hey, man, also glad that you're with us. You know what's nuts is about that many people also raised their hand in the first service. Like God's up to something in Nacogdoches. And this is going to be there in the Northview Plaza where the old Steels building used to be. This is what the lobby is going to look like. And we've got a Cafe Aroma that's going to be going in there. And we'll be open on Sundays in the midweek. But we have a dream to open up during the week, our Cafe Aroma. We've got Kids Center space with just like we have over here. Uh, if you've never been to our Kids Center, I encourage you to go take a peek today after service and, and ask one of our team to give you a tour. You can't just kind of go willy-nilly in there. We value safety. But some would be glad to give you a tour of our kids center to say how we value how we put our next generation first and we're going to have kids space is going to be incredible and we'll have a worship center that will seat almost half of, of this size and we'll have more than one service and in order to get this to happen we, we've already gotten started plumbing's happening demos already taking place we're having to cut into some concrete um, but we're also going to have to borrow some resources to get it done you guys have been incredibly faithful with your giving uh, but we don't have the bulk resources to just pay for it in cash. But God has blessed this church so wonderfully that over the last few years, we've been able to come to a point where we can do this within our own current budget and not grow by a single person, and we can do this. But here's the deal. We believe, we're not going to do it just so we can't not grow by one single person. We're doing it because we want to reach more people for the kingdom of God. We want you that are coming from Nacogdoches, how many of you would agree? It, it, it's easy, once you start coming, it's easy to come, it's, 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 it's a drive, but it's, it's harder to kind of bring all your friends to church, isn't it? Because it's a hard drive. It, it, it can be, that's a, that's a big request to drive this far. We want to put Timber Creek Church right in your backyard to where you can bring your friends more easily and they can experience Christ right there. God's up to something huge. I'm going to give you some Q&A meetings. Uh, we're going to talk about all the details of, of what we're planning to do on Monday, December 10th, Thursday, December 15th. There will be food, so there's that. And I'm going to talk to you, Just I'm going to answer some questions. I'm going to give you more why behind the what. We've been talking about this for a couple of years, so I believe most questions have been answered. But yet, I want to make sure that we've exhausted our opportunity to ask as many questions as possible. It's good to ask questions. It's good for me, a leader, to share the information. And then after we have those meetings on Sunday, December 16th at 5 p.m., we're going to gather together here. We're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And we're going to vote as a body to say, do we feel like God is in this, that we need to move forward and borrow the resources to do this at, at, at that location? And we're either going to say yes or we're going to say no. And I probably wouldn't bring something to you if I didn't feel like we're going to say yes. But I just believe God is up to something big. And I'm asking us, 
Could this Christmas season be a time where Timber Creek is asked by God to stretch our faith, stretch our faith to what he's yet to do, what has happened, what has not happened yet. And we do all this because your God-given potential is our mission. And corporately, we give glory to God and his God-given potential is realized in every single one of us when we are making the difference in this world for the kingdom of God. That's your potential, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. That's your potential. That's the utmost. He gave you gifts to sing, to lawyer, to sport, to nurse. He did all that not just for you to get a paycheck. Listen, he gave you your gifts and talents for you to expand the kingdom of God. It's why you exist, to give him glory, expand the kingdom. You are here on this earth for that. You are made for that purpose. And if you've been wondering, man, I've got this, I'm telling you, leverage it towards the kingdom. Show the world how Jesus would teach children in kindergarten. Because you're not just a teacher. You're, just not, you're not just a kindergarten teacher. You are showing children how a young lady or young man loves Jesus and teaches well. That, that's, it's your potential. But beyond corporately our potential... Personally, I want to I challenge you to stretch your faith in inviting someone to church. During Easter and Christmas, 80% of people that are invited to church say yes. Now, 20% say no. 1% will stab you. I'm kidding. They're probably not. Probably not going to happen. Okay, don't worry about it. But that's what we're afraid of, man. What if they, what if they say, are you, are you kidding me? Like, don't be afraid. I'm asking you, be stretched in your faith to invite someone to our Christmas services. As you walk through our doors, hopefully you received, if not, you can get it on your way out. You received a black bag, and in that black bag was this stuff without the cup. I, I, the, I, I added the cup. I wanted to Instagram the picture this morning. But in that, in that bag, you've got a 3-2-1 Christmas invite challenge. In fact, if you have that sack, I want you to take that piece of paper out right now. Just take it out. Look at this side, the 321 Christmas invite challenge. And I, and I want you to write down, we're not going to do anything with this except write down three names of people you can be praying for from now until Christmas. And, and we want to pray for their, for their health. You want to pray for their families. You want to pray for their soul. You want to pray for issues that they're facing. You want to pray for, that, that they would come closer to Jesus. You want to pray over these things and write down three names, and we're going to start. We're going to do the three, two, one. We're three weeks out from Christmas services. So week three, we're just going to write some names and pray. Week two, two weeks out, we're challenging you to do something kind for these three people. Make a plate of brownies, pay for their coffee, write them a card, send them an email. Just do something kind for somebody. Listen to me, Dodgeball Correctional Center. Do you know that, that on December 19th, we're getting out of the chapel where you are right now, and we're filling the gymnasium in two services, and every single man in the Dodgeball Correctional Center, all 518 of them, we're providing a meal for them, a Christmas meal provided by Denver Creek Church. But I'm challenging you too there at Dieball that don't, don't, don't listen to this and tune out. Write down three, three friends you have right there. Write down a name of someone on the outside that you can say, hey, 
I want you to go visit my church. Maybe your family's been watching with you while you're in prison and they're tuning in on Wednesday with that card that we've given you. Maybe this is the time that they don't tune in. Maybe this is the time that they pick up the family and they come and attend one of our seven services. Do an act of kindness for somebody. Yeah, that can even happen in prison. It can. Like be kind to each other. You can do it. And then week one, we're going to do the invite. One week out and say, hey, would you like to go to Christmas service with me? And we've gotten these cards that you can hand. I, I would encourage you to, you can leave them on the break room counter. But you know what's even better is when you say, hey, would you like to come to church with me? It's, oh, well, let me think about it. Hey, I've got a card that's just got the service times. And I'm not going to bug you. But we'd love for you to be our guest. And I'll, we'll meet you at the front door and we'll sit together. Seven services, real snow outside. We've got two slides and we're bringing in 60,000 pounds of snow, making our slides again and stuff. It'd be really fun. And you get hit with a snowball and get a concussion. It'll be great. It'll be great. But friends, I'm asking you, come on now. Let's be stretched. Let's be stretched to go beyond our comfort zone. Let's not be stretched the way the world wants to stretch you where you're just relying on you and you forget. Do you know there's a lie that people swallow all the time? It's this, God will, will never give you more than you can handle. That's not true. That's not true. Listen to me, listen to me. There are tons of instances where you are given more than you can handle. You're given that so that you can say, oh, maybe I can't handle this. Maybe, maybe I, wish there was, I wish there was somebody that could handle this better than me. And Jesus says, it's me. Jesus can handle it. And we see that happen in the book of Corinthians. Listen, we're stretched financially. We're stretched with our commitments. The early church, the early Christians, they were... They, they wondered if they were going to be dragged out into the street and stoned for their belief in Jesus. They didn't know if they were going to be ripped out of their own home and, and nailed to a tree like their Messiah. They had a different kind of stretching. And Paul, who was shipwrecked and, and, and stoned, almost stoned to death and left to die and imprisoned on multiple occasions and the historical narrative says finally he's beheaded in prison writes several of the books of the New Testament in chains in a dungeon that same Paul who really lived who was really empowered by the spirit he wrote these words that 2,000 years later are an encouragement to us and he wrote it to the church of Corinth and he said, I want you to remember, I want you to go throwback. I want you to go Christian throwback, not Christmas throwback, Christian throwback. And back then we were under great pressure. We were stretched. Far beyond our ability to endure. See, you will be in places that you cannot handle, things you cannot control. And if the story stopped there, boy, that would be like a Debbie Downer Christmas throwback Christmas right there. But, the, but Paul goes on to say, as it turned out, though, it was the best thing that could have happened. What? What? Under great pressure, fire beyond ability to control was the best thing that could happen? Yeah. Because when we lose control, it's amazing 
how we can fix our eyes on Jesus. When we finally realize, oh, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't got enough. Jesus, will you be enough? (laughs) It's the best place to be. Paul goes on to say, instead of trusting in our own strength or our wits to get out of the place, we were forced to trust God totally. I mean, it's not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he's not just eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus in a nativity scene on Sunday and on Christmas. He is the savior of the world who lived a sinless life, who paid for your redemption with his own blood. And if you throw back before the very first Christmas, you see an angel who shows up to a 14-year-old teenage girl and says, hey, you're highly favored. We've got an assignment. She goes, whoa, how's this going to even happen? She's like, this is going to be stretching. You're going to be stretched here by the Holy Spirit. You're going to you're going to be pregnant and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And even Mary had to go, whoa. Joseph had to figure this thing out and say, what? You did what? I just read on Facebook this whole thing. What is going on here? The first couple that the, the paternal father the biological mother of Jesus, they, they were stretched in their faith. What if they would have said, no, it's too much for us. God's will still would have been done. God's will still would have been done, but they would have missed out on what God had designed them to do. So I want to leave you with, this, leave you with this key question. Here it is. What would my Christmas look like if God were in charge of it. If Mary was in charge, we don't know how the story would have gone. Had Joseph gotten his wishes, he would have just divorced her quietly and went on with his life and done his old cabinet shop business. But they let the first Christmas, they let God be in charge. They surrendered all. (laughs) And we are where we are because of it, because of his grace and his goodness. Will you look at me? I know you're moving. I know you got to put stuff up because like, here we are. We're getting ready, man. We're going to get ready to go. We got commitments. We got commitments. Look at me in the eyes, everybody. Come here. Before you can give your Christmas to God, before God can be in charge of your Christmas, he's got to be in charge of your heart. He'll never have your Christmas if he doesn't have your heart. you close your eyes with me having your heart simply means you've surrendered to him as the Lord of your life the center of your life not just one of the one of the things the thing the relationship and if you're here today and you realize I can't even really have a Christ-centered Christmas because my life isn't Christ-centered I want you to know I came to tell you today, Jesus 
is not mad at you. He is not making a list and checking it twice, looking to who's naughty and nice. He has one list. It's the Lamb's Book of Life. It's opened wide today, and he's ready to write your name in that book, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what kind of regrets you have ever made. Maybe you have at one time invited Jesus to be the center of everything, but you've drifted. He says to you, I am in the business of reaching out to people that drift. He did it with Jonah. He did it with Peter. He did it with me. He'll do it with you. If you're here and you need to invite Jesus to be the center of your life for the first time or for the first time in a long time, it starts with acknowledging that. It starts with a decision. If that's you, just put a hand up in the air right now. I need to decide today. I need to decide today. I'm surrendering to Jesus. Yeah, hands all over the place. You can put your hands down. In your own words, you're going to do some talking with God now. You can whisper it. You can just, you can even just think the words. But focus your heart now and just in your own words, you say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. The only way I'm right with God is through you. It's not about me doing good works and making this happen and being a good person. I am just not good enough. I can fix mistakes, but I can't fix my sin, and I need a Savior to do that. I surrender to you today, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of the past. Would you give me a fresh start to, to place you in the center? I don't even know what all that looks like, but today I'm making the decision to start. Will you guide me? Will you help me? Thank you, Jesus, for not being mad at me, but for loving me so much you gave me this moment, December 2nd, to make things right with you. I receive your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, eyes still closed. Maybe you're stretched financially, commitment-wise. You just you want to be stretched in your faith. God's speaking to you some names, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some boldness. If that's you, would you just shoot a hand up too? I want to pray with you. Yeah, me too, me too. God, I pray that we would do what it takes, even if it's uncomfortable at the moment, to reorganize, reshuffle, to place you in the center of it all. God, may we decide together. May we decide individually. We're not going to be conned into the form of this world, but we're going to be transformed by putting our eyes and our focus on you. In Jesus' name. Would you put your hands together for those that made a decision to follow Jesus?